All right. Says it's preparing. Be live at any minute. I don't know. Still preparing. It says webinar is now streaming live on YouTube. Awesome. Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest running EOS podcast. If you're here with us live, thank you for joining us on this weekend and leave a go EOS in the chat so that we know you're here. And whether you're watching live or not, be sure to hit the subscribe button and smash the like button to help us with that algorithm as well. Now, before we get started, I do need to mention that nothing Zach or I say should be interpreted as legal, financial, tax, professional, or any other kind of advice. We're just two people talking online about our opinions. And as a final note of disclosure, it's safe to assume that any tokens we mentioned, we do own for disclosure purposes. So Zach, but uh, people should keep one thing our- in mind. They should never, yeah. ever take advice from a stranger. Yep. And if you do, you're very likely to get wrecked because uh, these strangers are just regular people like everyone watching. So do your own research. Never invest in anything anyone tells you on the internet. Always do your own research. Uh, so let's get into this. Uh, the very first thing I want to cover is something that kicks off uh, in less than 24 hours, and that yeah. is uh, the DAP Network Hackathon. Uh, super excited for this. Uh, Rob actually is a mentor for the hackathon, so I'm going to pull up the screen right now if you want to kind of talk about it for a minute while I figure out this Zoom again. I haven't been on here in a while. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited. So the, the DAP Network Hackathon, you can still sign up for whether you're just an entrepreneur, or you're a designer. Um, or you're an actual coder, somebody that wants to join an existing team, um, you can go to dapnetwork.hackerearth.com and sign up and you can win up to $50,000 in prizes across all the different positions, including things like best social media posts that I believe is like a a $3,000 prize. So it's a pretty good opportunity over this next week to win some significant money just from the comfort of your own couch in this online hackathon. So I'll be a mentor for the first couple of days, helping people with the ideation phase, with the sort of entrepreneurial phase, and uh, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. And it looks like block one is, is as well. They, they tweeted about it, I guess. And that was, that was exciting. Yes. Yeah, so I got the yeah. tweet up on the screen. So do you want to build on EOS IO liquid apps IO community DAP hackathon? Yeah. They, they messed up the hashtag a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think someone uh, replied correcting. I can't, yeah. The liquid apps account corrected it, but super uh, excited in one week uh, we got like social media support. Uh, on the blog for Talos last week, we talked about that. And then we got the social uh, media support for Liquid Apps and the DAP Network Hackathon. And in addition to the, to the Twitter support, and we, we mentioned last week on the show, I said uh, Block One's been very supportive for supporting this hackathon. It's very, very uh, bullish for the hackathons. So if anyone else out there, it, it, I know EOS Detroit, uh, they were at the Blocksburg Summit. Uh, I, I ran into them. They're like uh, planning their own EOSIO hackathon in Detroit. So they're, they're working through the block one events on it and seeing what kind of support they can get. Um, but I got this email last night. So uh, 18 hours ago, I got the EOSIO developer newsletter, November edition. And in the newsletter, and this goes to every EOSIO developer who's ever signed up for the developer portal on EOS.io or um, Elemental Battles. If you ever signed up for that, you're on this email list. So it's just really cool. We, we see right here, they're recapping uh, the news and we got Talos right here uh, in, in the newsletter. And this newsletter probably goes out to thousands of developers. And then you scroll down a little bit, scroll down a little bit. And then you also get the DAP Network Hackathon mentioned. So thank you to Block One for supporting uh, this event. I'm super excited to kick it off tomorrow morning. It's been a lot of work in the planning. Uh, many, many uh, weeks, if not months of planning to make it uh, go off without a hitch. We have the opening ceremony kicking off at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. Uh, that'll be on the Liquid Apps channel. 
And what then time zone is that for everybody watching? Uh, 7 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, yeah, 7. You know what? Uh, I will get, I could have sworn it's 7 a.m. Eastern time. That's what's on my calendar. Uh, oh, it looks like 7 a.m. Central on that. Invite. Yeah, it, it, it does. That, that's, that's why I'm confused here. Oh, okay, I, I, so that would be 8 a.m. Eastern. So it's one of the two. You can the, check it out the, at gapnetwork.hackerearth.com. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you, you'll get bombarded with the link as soon as it's available, which will probably be in the next few hours. So look out for that uh, for the uh, opening ceremony premiere. Uh, it's it's really good. I, I put it uh, put it together, Pete, I, and uh, Benny and Tal. It's super good presentation. Kind of gives you the walkthrough of every everything going on in the hackathon, and it'll be the uh, unless we tweet it out, it'll be the first time we're going to reveal the celebrity judges, and nice. you're going to be super super pumped with who they are i'll give a hint one of the judges is uh globally known he has his own show on cnbc oh, uh, wow. and I, I think a lot of you guys probably follow him on twitter uh but uh, that'll be one hint Th there's actually a lot of other uh good judges too and i already pulled up the mentors for the hackathon so that that's an all-star list too uh but I I'll, I'll save uh the hackathon uh more details on that for tomorrow morning on the uh, opening ceremony because we walked through everything. Uh, I think people want to hear about our week or a couple of days in Blacksburg, though, Rob. Yeah. So Zach and I, uh, along with Pete from Everything EOS and a bunch of other great people that we ran into, were at the recent Blocksburg event in Blacksburg, Virginia, uh, at Virginia Tech. As we know, Block One has committed several million dollars to building out a blockchain education program at Virginia Tech. And this Blocksburg event was sort of the first. Um, I guess, real public event that people could come and attend and learn about blockchain from all different people. So uh, it was a pretty interesting event. I, I learned a lot. I got a lot of good info gathering. Uh, what did you think of it? Do you have a good time? I had an amazing time. So I, I think we got some good information out of uh, the fireside chat with Brendan, uh, which uh, Block One shared on their YouTube, I think like a day or so ago. And then Max Dapp also shared uh, a copy of it. He did some editing, I think, on it. Uh, but so far, the Dan speech has not been made public. But luckily for everyone watching Everything EOS, I happen to have my iPhone recording the audio at least. And we're actually <laughs> going to walk through some of Dan's statements uh, during his presentation. So uh, I guess we'll kick it off with Dan's presentation. Uh, just a, a little bit of info. He only talked for like, what do you think, Rob? Like 20 or 30 minutes? And then he did like 30 minutes of Q&A. Yeah, he was slated for an hour, and I think the first maybe 25% of it was was sort of this high-level presentation about why blockchain and talking about personal freedom and and sort of a bunch of high-level abstract concepts, and then it was just an open Q&A, so I got to ask him a question, a bunch of other people did as well, and we're going to dive into those now. All right, I'm going to, uh, let me cue up some audio. So the very first question, let me, okay. So the, the, the very first uh, clip I'm going to pull up here is someone asked Dan, when voice so this is this is basically the question everyone's been asking right is uh when voice uh rob i don't know if i checked the box so as soon as it starts playing confirm if you could hear the audio okay whoops oh no i, lo I lost it so what what you're seeing on the screen here this is just like some automated like transcribing software i use i just uploaded the uh, mp3 i recorded to it uh so the transcription's not perfect uh launching voice hear. you can hear it? okay all right, so we got. Will voice get launched soon? <laughs> uh, that's a trademark term. Um, Your own team is laughing. 
launching voice is, you know, got many problems we need to solve, everything from the technology to the legal, right? And so not everything is within our time frame. I can tell you we've got amazing code ready to go. We've got uh, amazing progress with the regulators. Um, and it was very encouraging to, to see the stance of at least one SEC commissioner uh, from yesterday. That was very good um, for the future of voice. Uh, we're very excited, and I'd love to share with you more. Like Brendan says, we're, you know, if we promise, if we don't tell you anything, everyone's wondering, what are we doing? If we tell you, like, when's it coming? It's coming as fast as we can bring it to you. Uh, no one's more excited to get it out of the market as quickly as possible than we are. So let, let's just stop there. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of that? So it was kind of a, a non-answer. Uh, yeah. it, it was basically, we, we didn't get an answer. It, it sounds like there's still, a lot of things out of their hands. It sounds like they have code and, and maybe they even had enough code, for like a beta level code at, at, at uh, B1 June. We don't really know like the development uh, roadmap of that, but it sounds like there's things out of control and he was very positive about uh, the things that Hester Peirce said. So I didn't record the Hester uh, Peirce uh, fireside chat. Uh, there, there were cameras there. I'm expecting Virginia Tech to release that, which is, why well, I kind of held off on uh, recording, but she said some very positive things too about tokenization and how like regulations need to, need to be updated. But I, I think the thing that stood out with, with what Dan said here is, and, and he said, like Brendan said, if they promise, if they don't tell us anything, everyone's like, what are they doing? Or are, are they just sitting on their hands doing nothing? And then if they tell us they're going to do something like at B1 June, then we're all like, when are we getting voice? When are we getting voice? When are we getting voice? So I, I could see where he's coming from, but at the same time, from the outside looking in, like when voice, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And it is interesting. I mean, they continue to point to the fact that uh, a lot of this is outside of their control. And going back to that SEC waiver letter um, from the settlement between the SEC and Block One, uh, it, they made it very clear in that letter that Block One needed to and was sort of required to get approval from the SEC before launching Voice and the Voice token. So I imagine that. Is probably the biggest holdup. It's also possible that there's some infrastructure on the back end that isn't built yet, like using multiple blockchains, which we'll get to a quote in just a bit as well. Um, but it, it's definitely interesting and, and very unclear when it will launch. And, and to clarify, I mean, I don't think either of us expected a real answer from Dan mm -hmm. on this. He's not going to, you know, reveal when they think it might might finally be here. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how how that all progresses, and and hopefully we get it sooner rather than later. Obviously. Um, I, I mean, the one one thing I gathered uh, from speaking to a lot of block one employees and everyone that was at the conferences, they have probably, they're, they're, there's a constant need for developers there. They're constantly expanding their team. I don't know the size of their voice team, but it sounds like, I, I would say, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how many people, I think in the Blacksburg office, they have at least 120 devs. Wow. So I, I would assume that probably, I don't know, a quarter to a half of those might, might be voice. Uh, so, so they're constantly expanding their team. If you go through like their careers page, they're, they're basically a bunch of jobs. Some of them mentioning voice, um, but let, let, let's continue on because I, I think there's a few interesting quotes here. And since this audio is not available anywhere else, uh, it's kind of on our shoulders to, to share it here. And that's kind of uh, what we're going to be doing for most of this show. Um, pull it back up. All right, this, this quote, he actually brings up, uh, he doesn't like speak to it too much, but he brings up, uh, a great debate, efficiency versus scalability versus decentralization. So I'd like to address that because I think it's actually 
uh, a major source of debate in the industry. People uh, form their different tribes, they have their different beliefs. You know, proof of work is the one only truly decentralized way, or delegated proof of stake means you know, 15 people who all happen to be Chinese uh, is completely centralized and, uh, you know, so there's this huge debate, what is, what is decentralized? Uh, the truth is that you can take EOSIO and you can use the proof of work consensus algorithm with EOSIO and still process thousands of transactions per second. The belief that delegated proof of stake is the source of the performance of EOSIO is, uh, um, it's possibly my fault, but possibly it's other, other people not understanding me. Delegated proof of stake provides a way to uh, reduce the latency, but it has nothing to do with throughput. So you can have 15 second blocks processing thousands of transactions per second using proof of work and have much of the same developer experience that you have with EOSIO. So while proof of work doesn't necessarily, does have a performance impact, on the latency of your transaction confirmation, it's got no impact on the throughput. Proof of work on EOS IO while remaining scalable. Like that was a big surprise. I've, I've, I've never even heard rumors of that before. Uh, it, it was that the first you heard Dan mention EOS IO in a proof of work con con. I guess when he was talking about Pareto, I think he brought some proof of work stuff up, didn't he? Yeah, it's interesting. I think he's talked maybe a little bit on Twitter, if I remember correctly, about sort of combining different uh, consensus mechanisms. But this, I think, was the first time, you know, really publicly he's he said it with his own voice. So it was interesting to hear for sure. Yeah. So I don't know the context of it, but it was interesting that he said, like, you could have the same throughput without proof of stake. Like I that that's news to me. Uh, so you would have longer block confirmation times. But that's super interesting, and I'd like to kind of hear more on what they're planning to do with that. Uh, my best guess would be maybe a, like a future governance proposal for that Pareto stuff where maybe some block producers are elected based on their proof of work of some sort, and maybe some of them are voted in the traditional way. I don't know. And I also don't know if those changes could actually go through. Uh, B1 announced earlier this week that they will be voting at some point in the future. We'll get into that topic after uh, we cover some more of this uh, Blocksburg stuff. Uh, the next quote I want to pull up was actually Rob Finch asking the question. So do you remember what your question was, Rob, uh, before I pull it up? Yeah, I was essentially, to give you guys some context, I wanted to get some insight into the, the current scalability level of EOSIO. We all know that, you know, sort of the grand vision of EOSIO is to have multiple chains all connected, but uh, as far as today is concerned, none of that code exists yet. So I wanted to ask Dan, hey, if I had to adapt with 10 million users, could I run it today? And he gave a pretty interesting answer that I think gives some insight into their plans. Run the clip. I'm playing this at a, like a 1.3x. Dan talks too slow. I'm sorry, Dan. You, you might sound like Alvin and the Chipmunk. If I were to launch an app today with, say, 10 or 20 million users, is that something that a single chain of EOSIO can support, or do I need to wait for a multi-chain solution? Uh, a single chain can support it, particularly if it's a private chain. I think it's a little um, too fast. And depending on how you structure the chain. Um, all right, I'll, I'll talk to another aspect of blockchain. It's another distinction that uh, is often lost. People talk about transactions per second. Well, what is, what's in a transaction? If every transaction you're, you're calculating, uh, doing extensive calculations, you're not going to be able to get very many. 
But if the only thing you're trying to do is log the order of events, say an election, then uh, you can get much higher throughput. So, you know, these are, uh, I'm gonna throw some numbers out here based on internal testing that uh, we've done, but we've seen blockchains based on ESIO. So if you're not running any smart contract code, there are over 20,000 transactions per second just ordering the transactions. These are authenticated, uh, signed transactions. So you make sure that they're properly authenticated, and we're doing over 20,000, and that's today on a single chain. You can do a lot with that kind of throughput, and we're only going to expand it from there. Computers are only going to get faster. Uh, and, and that's already fast enough to do a Visa level. Um, a multi-blockchain world, a single business, can have many different blockchains and load balance. Right, Facebook or Voice doesn't need one blockchain for the entire world. It can have a blockchain per country. Uh, the financial system doesn't need one blockchain for the entire financial system. It's a blockchain per bank. And if the blockchains trust each other, then it's, uh, it's really easy to move money from one blockchain to the other through oracles and, and things like that. So what what'd you, what'd you think of his answer there to your question, Rob? I thought it was pretty interesting, particularly that he said it is possible, but then sort of qualified that by saying on a private chain. So while he didn't explicitly say that it's not possible on a public chain like the EOS mainnet, it does sort of seem to imply it um, by giving it that qualifier. So I definitely think it's interesting. I mean, it, it does seem obvious with the current cost of, of CPU, at least in my opinion, um, that it's really not possible to run a DAP solely on the EOS mainnet with no additional infrastructure, no layer two solution with 10 million users. So if I spun up my own private chain and had a single BP chain, I, I think I could scale that as high as I wanted, which is kind of what he's saying. Um, but interesting, again, that he points to these sort of multiple chains all working together. And, and this is something they've been pointing to for years since the original EOSIO white paper, but we still have yet to see the code. So we, we talk about multi-chain a lot on this show, a lot of it because I'm representing <laughs> Liquid Apps and we, we see a multi-chain future. Like there, there's no way that a single chain is going to run everything. That, that vision's just not going to happen. Uh, you might see like Merkle proofs on, the, on like one public chain, but I, it, there, it's, you just don't get the same uh, horizontal scalability with one chain. Like you gotta, you gotta go sideways. So as far as multi-chain, uh, I'm going to play another quote. This is probably, I'd rank it as probably the best quote I'm going to play. And it's Agreed. Dan it, it giving some insight into how voice is architected. This is the only time he's publicly said this, uh, as far as I know, at least. He mentions that voice will utilize multiple blockchains in the back end. So I'm going to play this one here for you. This is a really interesting one. What do you think are going to be the impacts of IBC and interoperability, and how do you think are the best ways to achieve those moving forward? Sure. So, use some acronyms there. Interblockchain communication. What are the impacts? Well, interblockchain communication is nothing more than interdatabase communication. Nothing more than interbusiness communication. Uh, at the end of the day, nothing more than person-to-person -person communication. Um, so the impacts are more streamlined. If a business can verify that you actually do have a degree from Virginia Tech just by validating a signature and you don't have to get an envelope that you sealed mail directly to them. Uh, you know, we can add a lot of efficiency. So interblockchain communication adds efficiency and integrity and prevents fraud uh, in business to business communication. Uh, and I think it has huge impact. Uh, the other place uh, interblockchain communication is within one company. 
the design we're using for voice has multiple blockchains on the back end. Some of them private for maintaining personal information, some of them public for all the stuff that people get to see. Uh, and that provides security and there is communication, two-way communication between them. There's already inter-blockchain communication between Ethereum and EOS. It exists today. Um, so people ask this question frequently and the analogy I'll use is what people, what we have today is the equivalent of dial-up modems. This blockchain can connect to this blockchain because we got a direct connection. What people want is AWS. We can spawn unlimited number of virtual servers that are all connected to each other at a push of a button, deploy your application across it all and have it all be seamless. That will come in time, but we've got to master modem connections and, and all the intermediary ways of doing uh, you know, special case connections to generalize it uh, in the future. And you know, Block One's got some really innovative approaches for making blockchains more general to facilitate on one blockchain to communicate to another blockchain. What'd you think of that? That's the very first time we've heard anything about how voice is being architected. It's the first time we've heard uh, confirmation that Block One is building multi-chain applications. Uh, like even, even with DAP Network, there, there's with LiquidX, there, there's the possibility for, for the community to build a multi-chain DAP, but the technology is so new that I, I think we might see some at the hackathon, which is next week, starting tomorrow. Uh, but this might be one of the first multi-chain dApps that we see is voice. And, yeah, and I, it's, sorry. And uh, it's super interesting. I mean, he mentions both private and public blockchain. So I think it, thinking about it from a technological perspective, it does seem necessary. I think the only way they can, they can hope to onboard tens of millions or even hundreds of millions of users is to have most of that computation happening on a private chain that they control. Um, and then, like he said, publishing proofs are the order of those transactions on the actual EOS mainnet, just for public verifiability. Um, so it, it's interesting. If you go back to the question I asked him, and you don't have to play the audio clip again, but Dan <laughs> mentioned that they're facing a few challenges, some technological, some regulatory. So I wonder, personally, are the technological challenges they're facing merging these blockchains together in a horizontal way, or is that a problem that they've solved already? And I've said this a lot on Twitter. I mean, pretty much every major blockchain company over the last, uh, I don't know, four or five years has been trying to find and build a multi-chain solution. If you look at Lisk, that's what they were trying to do. Rise was trying to do that. All these different blockchains have been trying to, to basically crack that complex computer science problem, and nobody's been able to do it yet. So is it possible Block One has already cracked it and that sort of multi-blockchain backend solution for, for voice is working? Absolutely, it is possible, but I don't think it's a given. I think it is possible that the solution is not there yet and they have not solved the problem. And maybe that is part of the reason why voice is still delayed as well. I mean, it'll be interesting. It seems like obviously with the private blockchains, you get much better performance and throughput. So I, I don't know. And like we have some IBC today. I mean, even even before the liquid app solutions, there's been like pegged tokens and stuff. But this is like data being transferred. Also, it's not just tokens being transferred. It is data. And I'm just wondering if because they're using private blockchain implementations, uh, using like high performance servers and stuff like if they're able to get some sort of IBC that's possible from a private chain to a private chain, but not necessarily possible on a public blockchain. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's definitely possible if you think about latency issues when it comes to, to just really you're hitting ultimately physics limitations of being able to transfer data, which is, you know, transferred through light across the internet um, or, or rather across the world. Um, it takes a certain amount of time. So you do run into latency issues there. 
Um, it, it will be really interesting to see, you know, come 2020, will we get a voice announcement? Will we get, get some kind of multi-chain release? If this is something they've solved, ha have they solved it in a user-friendly enough way to release code for other developers, or will it remain a propri proprietary technology just to, to enable voice? It'll be really interesting to see how that unfolds. I'm hoping, obviously, of course, that they have cracked it, but I don't think that's a given like a lot of people think it is. Mm -hmm. it'll, it'll be interesting, too, to see how much of voice is actually open sourced. So I expect voice to have some open source components, but some not. And that's because like from a business standpoint, you kind of want to protect some things until you kind of gain your market share. And then once you kind of gain your market share and you're kind of the king of the castle, then you could open source your code. And I think that's what a lot of ESIO projects, how the roadmaps are sort of planned. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when voice beta or voice production does launch, uh, because I, I think this will be a great case of best practices potentially for, for future ESIO developments. Like if someone could build a very efficient application, you would think it would, it would be block one, right? Yeah, absolutely. And even if the, the technological component of that, that sort of multi-chain solution, if they have built it and, and they keep it, as voice proprietarily, or even if they release it open source. I think, honestly, the biggest differentiator, the biggest sort of unique selling proposition of voice is the money, right? If they really have a multi-hundred million dollar advertising budget, voice is likely going to win out over the chains that are maybe forks or public copies um, that don't have that kind of budget. So I think that's their biggest chance of winning that race. And it'll be really interesting to see, um, assuming it does hopefully come out in 2020, it'll be interesting to see how that all, all rolls out and, and what they spend the money on, whether it's influencers or you know, a Super Bowl commercial or whatever it might be. That, that, that's still my hope. I, I mean, I, I feel like it's a long shot, but I think since B1 June, everyone was like, oh, what if they ran a Super Bowl commercial? It's kind of like a meme, uh, but you look back to like uh, the 1984 uh, Macintosh commercial and how iconic that was. Uh, did you see M Blue Crypto did like a, a remix of it, like a voice remix on the 1984 uh, Super Bowl commercial from Apple? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, it's really good. I, if I had it queued up, I might even have to play it. But uh, I, we, I, there, there was other interesting things. I'm going to jump away from from the 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 Dan speech because like those those were the the big things that that we played is the stuff you haven't heard before. A lot of the stuff during his presentation is probably things he said in other speeches before. Nothing, nothing really new there. But the, the Q&A, I, I thought was epic. And I thought it was great that he took 30 minutes to answer questions, including Rob's. Um, but uh, where, where was that on the Bloomer clip here? Oh, so we're not going to talk about the Bloomer stuff as much just because this video is publicly available already. So I, I just encourage you all to watch it. I think that's the best way to do it. But one of the most interesting things Bloomer said was about how much money they, they spent and have been spending on legal. And I'll uh, jump into that one right here. There isn't clear frameworks around. Um, so if you look at a company like Block One that was doing something innovative um, when we started designing the EOSIO network, you know, we raised uh, enough, you know, we raised the capital to build the product prior to even, you know, building the business model. We went out and we spent 60% of our entire budget on legal fees to figure out exactly how to enter the market in the best ways possible. 60% of your budget was spent on legal fees? Yes, because we had to get, you know, legal opinions in every jurisdiction because you're creating lower, like, global networks, right? That's insane. 60, yeah. so he, he did clarify on Twitter. So whenever he first said that, I was like, what? Like there is $4 billion. There's no freaking way that they spent that much. 
uh, he did clarify that it was this money spent that was all raised in capital prior to the ICO. So 60%, so let's say it was a couple million dollars leading up to June 2017, 60% of that went to lawyers. And I'm imagining that the money, as far as dollars are concerned, that they've spent since then is way higher in dollars, but way lower in percentage of capital, obviously, because we're talking about $4 billion here. Uh, and then the last part, or the only other part I'm going to play here was just funny. Uh, hold on. It was basically uh, the host making a joke about the SEC uh, being at the event. One sec. They're in compliance with various different but it's, well, We have the regulator, by the way, Hester Purse over here. And, and I, you guys good, by the way? Everything okay? $24 million <laughs> settlement. You don't, no, we don't need to keep you separated, do we? Hester, everything okay? No comment. She's the next panel. We'll, we'll get her to comment, hopefully. Um, but is I don't know. I, I, I thought that was funny uh, because Blimmer admitted it. He, she, he was like, $23 million? You, cool, you guys cool now? And Blimmer's like, I am. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it was just funny because Bloomer, uh, if you can't tell, man, he's super rehearsed. Like he's so good at like speaking and he's a great CEO. He, he's very well spoken. And you can kind of see whenever he goes into like his like canned like responses for things like certain quotes that you've probably heard him say on multiple presentations. But I thought uh, the style of this fireside chat was different than, than what you typically see from Bloomer because uh, the um, Brian Sullivan did a pretty good job at like throwing him some off the cuff comments and questions. So I thought this yeah. is a super good uh, fireside chat. If, if you're uh, a proponent of EOS and EOS IO, I highly recommend you watch that. Hopefully the, the dance presentation will go up at some point too, but I don't know if the full Q and A is going to go up. And that's why we, we shared the best parts of that on exclusively here on everything EOS. Yeah, it's definitely worth watching. I mean, the, the moderator from CNBC did an incredible job of making it an interesting fireside chat. It seemed like a casual discussion that you were just kind of a fly on the wall for. And it was pretty hilarious when, uh, I don't know if we have the clip ready or not. And, and if not, that's, that, that's well, fine. For what, but, what part? Uh, Bloomer basically mentioned uh, about Ripple. He basically said, you know, I'm not sure I remember what, what news network it was, but there was a clip of uh, one of them basically saying how to buy Ripple at $3 and then how to sell it at 80 cents. So he's oh, sort I, of looking back at CNBC. I, I, I can queue it up. <laughs> Just I, Google's got the uh, auto translate, so I just did a little control F. This is funny. Awesome. All right, so let's. Whoops. Uh, they're they're talking about the bull cycle. Uh, okay. Probably not cool anymore. I you guess. guys are the one that created the bubble. We are. <laughs> Me. The, the media in general. Oh, the media. Now that... we're at the blame the media part of the panel. <laughs> Well, what happened was, and you know, like any market, right? And I'm not, I'm not, you know, but the I've point heard a lot is, worse, Brendan. <laughs> it really entered, it really entered uh, mainstream media. And what happened was, overnight, it was on every news channel every day for 24 hours a day yes, it was. for an entire year. And what that did, if you just anyone that understands order books, is there was so much new blood and, and interest coming into the ecosystem that the sell market couldn't keep up. So everyone raced to exchanges. I mean, I, there was a, I, I don't remember which media, but there's a, a, a thing on, on social media where they show uh, uh, one of the media outlets saying, here's how to buy Ripple, and it shows the Ripple price at $4. A week later, here's how to sell Ripple, and it was at $1, right? And so it was literally creating these huge public on-ramps to the whole ecosystem in such a short period of time that the sell, the, the sell supply couldn't reach the demand. And what you had was this... But it was a get-rich-quick... I, I felt like I was the only... I needed... All right, yeah, that, that was hilarious. <laughs> I, I, I didn't think that part was going to make it into, like, this edited cut. 
as as I had like I had the recording of the audio from Bloomer also like before this came out and the timestamps are about the same. I recorded like I think mine was 47 minutes and this is 50 minutes. So as far as I could tell, this video is completely unedited. So it, it is it, it's exactly what we got live, uh, which usually isn't the case uh, with the block one like Cruise videos. Like I, I noticed. Uh, like just like whenever we switch to going live, like I do a lot of uhs and ums and block one's like really good at like uh, editing Dan. So like when Dan gives a presentation on YouTube, it's it, it, it all of the like filler words are, are taken out. So I was expecting something like that on this and it was not the case. I was pleasantly surprised to just get a raw unfiltered Brendan Bloomer and I, it's must watch. I, I highly recommend it. All right, we Definitely. spent. 30 minutes on Blocksburg. Uh, we, we could talk a lot more about that. If we want to continue this conversation, guys, head over to the Everything EOS Telegram channel at t.me front slash everything underscore EOS. Uh, we'll offer more insight in there. I'll probably share the link to the audio that I have too. That way you can part, you guys can parse through it too. I just held off on sharing it until we got to uh, share it on this live stream first. So the big news this week, Rob, I'm going to let you kick it off. Yeah, so we, we found out this week, it's it's sort of something they've already said in the past, you know, uh, a few months ago, I think it was block one came out and said, hey, when we are the mi minority token holder and, and really can't sway the top 21, we'll come out and vote. And we got more confirmation of that today, although we did not get a timeline on when um, block one did say, came out with a tweet that said block one to begin voting for EOS public blockchain upgrades. And I thought that the, the sort of phrasing around blockchain upgrades was really interesting. Um, you know, if we look at the, the vote power that Block One has now, it's about 93 million tokens or um, about 9% of the total supply that exists today. And if you look at the, the top 21 rankings, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for Block One's legal team, um, they don't have enough voting power to move anyone below spot number 25 into the top 21. So I don't know if this means they're simply going to uh, vote for referendums on chain and sort of signal their intent. I don't know if maybe they'll, they'll be talking with the top 21 that exists now and sort of incentivizing them saying, hey, we'll vote for you and, you know, increase your pay by 33% with our 93 million votes if you, you know, pass X, Y, and Z proposal. I'm not sure how they plan to go about it, but it is sort of unfortunate that they don't have the voting power necessary to move anyone below spot 25 up into the top 21. When do you think they're going to vote? And I have no idea. I mean, this is this has been a conversation for months and months and months where I think back in January of this year, we were promised that governance proposal that never came out. Um, we, we've been promised a lot of things from them. So until we get a hard date and actually see that transaction go through on chain, I'm not holding my breath for a vote anytime soon. Um, but but who knows? I mean, I could be wrong. It could be tomorrow they come out and vote. So it really is kind of up in the air at this point. I think my screen's stuck frozen. Okay, here we go. I, I lost my Zoom window for a second there. Yeah, I, I don't know. So they've been talking, like you said, I think they put out a governance statement in October 2018 and just basically said, we're monitoring governance. And I think that's whenever they said, like, we plan to vote once we're a, a minority token holder. And I, I think that's been filled. I mean, you said they can't even vote. Like if they wanted to vote, I don't know where EOS New York is right now, but they're like, they're out of the top the 20, 30s. 30s. Like they couldn't even vote EOS New York in if they wanted to. Yeah, for example, if they did vote for, uh, let me pull them up. EOS New York is currently in spot number 36 with 83 million votes. So if they add another 93 to that, we're looking at about 170 million votes. That would put them in spot number 26. So they could bump them up significantly from a pay standpoint, 
um, and more than double their pay, which would be interesting. But from an actual, uh, like they're talking about implementing public blockchain upgrades, they, they really don't have the voting power to do that in terms of moving top 21 up that will implement those upgrades for them. So that's why I wonder if there are some deals <laughs> going on behind the scenes with the existing top 21 to incentivize them to, to actually pass the upgrades that they want. But you know, if you yeah. think about voice, they really are dependent on a good public blockchain ecosystem, even if they have this sort of multi-blockchain backend. It seems like they want to do a lot of this and put the proofs at least on the EOS mainnet. So I think they want to get all these things in order before they launch. My fellow Vigor DAC custodian EOS watchdogs, also known as Data Junkie, brought up a good point in the live chat here. He says, they could eliminate all of the, so I don't know about all, all of the sock puppets into unpaid positions, forcing them to lose money and straighten the F out. That's a very good point. So by increasing, we don't know who they would vote for, but let's just assume that they don't vote for an exchange, for example, and they vote for a lot of independents with a global diversity. So from all across the world, not just the, the Western independent BPs, but what it'll do is it'll take all of those like Bithum puppets that we've talked about on the show before in like the 50s positions where they're still getting paid and it should bump them, if not out of a paid position, but into a much lower paid position because there'd be more vote weight on the positions of like what 25 through like 40 would would pick up some votes teams like maybe cypher glass and eos canada and eos new york so all of them would actually increase vote pay even if they're not being put into producing positions yeah more votes at the top would definitely knock more people out of the bottom for sure if you look at the the votes on blocks.io right now only the top 63 block producers are being paid and that's down from 73 um about a month and a half ago and down from uh, numbers as high as in the 80s from several months before that. So as more and more votes get stacked at the top, because the threshold is a percent of total votes, the number of paid BPs gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So block one coming in and voting for people in that mid-range would definitely drop some people out of the bottom. Um, it's unclear if the sock puppets have more EOS on standby that they could then vote in and bump themselves back into those positions. But of course, there's only one way to find out. Uh, just... So we could walk through like how, how the sock puppets started. You want to kind of j just kind of give a recap of how the, the vote trading happens. Like you don't have to have like hundreds of millions of votes to do it. I think you can get by with like what, 10 million votes? Yeah. So for example, if I had 10 million EOS in my personal, my personal wallet and I wanted to get into the top 21, I could do so because I have 30 votes of those 10 million, right? I can vote those 10 million tokens to 30 different block producers. Right now, if I look at blocks as well, let me go back to the first page here. The threshold to get into the top 21 is 294 million votes, right? So close to 300 million votes. So if I go to 29 other people, most likely the top 29 BPs, and say, hey, I have 10 million votes. I'll vote for you all if you vote your 10 million votes to me. Boom, suddenly I have 300 million votes and I'm producing in the top 21. So that is a lot of what's going on here, um, where all of these BPs are getting together and saying, hey, we'll vote trade. Um, you give me your 10 million, I'll give you my 10 million, and we'll vote ourselves to the top together and collect a bunch of money. What's happening with the sock puppets is a little bit different in that um, a lot of these voter reward payout schemes have such a high APR that they're sending to people that they can't pay those people that APR just from one top 21 block producer. So in order to subsidize that, in order to make more money to pay out those people, they actually set up a bunch of standby BPs that likely don't have infrastructure because they're not required to have it as a standby. Um, and they're using that money by voting themselves into those standby BPs in that vote trading scheme to then get more EOS out of the system and either pay people with it or keep it for themselves. So it is an unfortunate position where hopefully Block One could at least do that and, and knock the, the sock puppets that aren't adding any value, that don't have any infrastructure, that aren't ready to produce out of it. But um, it'll be interesting to see if it happens.
Yeah, and th there's still ongoing governance proposals. So we haven't talked about it in a few weeks because everything's just still being debated and discussed uh, in, in all the public chats and probably some private chats too. But the, the one common denominator between Dan, Dan and Block One's governance proposals and EOS New York's governance proposals were the one token, one vote. They had some variation between them, but I, I think that's kind of like phase one of this. And the one token, one vote will not eliminate all of this, but it will lessen, I, I guess, the damage of vote trading, so to speak. Yeah, it will effectively, it'll eliminate the possibility of that 10 million bumping you instantly in the top 21, because you'll no longer have 29 other votes of that same 10 million to, to pass around and trade. But uh, of course, we have to remember how this can be implemented, that 15 out of the top 21 block producers would have to pass something like that. So uh, assuming all of these block producers got there by vote trading, I don't think that they're going to vote for something that makes that vote trading no longer possible and jeopardizes their position. Um, if you think about, you know, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, even if they might make more in a new system, I'm not sure that these people want to risk the current cash cow that they're milking, some as high as a thousand EOS per day, um, just for sitting in the top 21. But with block one's initiative to vote, so you brought it up earlier, like what if they don't vote for producers, but they just vote for referendums, right? So they signal their votes in the same way that block producers signal their votes now. And you could find it on EOS Titan and see like what everyone's voting for on the referendums. Uh, I think it would put the the BPs in the top 21 in a very precarious position to see that block one's voting one way. And then they would have to kind of like, I would expect them to publicly say why they're not supporting the, the, the consensus from kind of the leaders. Uh, if I, I guess it's token weight vote. So if they, if they can keep themselves in the top 21, that's- Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I don't, I don't know that I would expect them to, to make any kind of public comment. We've heard that, you know, maybe some of this discussion goes on in WeChat and Chinese, where obviously, you know, if you don't speak Chinese, it's, it's hard to translate every message. Um, but we haven't heard a lot from them, at least in the West. So I don't think Block One voting uh, for a referendum would make them speak as well. So it, it just kind of comes down to the incentives. If, if they are guaranteed to make more money in a new system with one token, one vote, then I think you can expect it to pass. But if that's uncertain, and right now they're making each a thousand EOS per day, and that's guaranteed in the current system, I think it's much more likely that they just continue with the current system uh, whether block one votes or not. All right, I agree. So I, I want to pull up uh, an article that was anonymously passed me this morning. I haven't had a chance to translate it. I'm just going to share the article and share you guys the link. I don't want to dive into it too much because the Google Translate translation is not very good. But uh, this article, it's all. It, this is like the English translation from Google. It, it is originally written in Mandarin, but it, it's specifically calling out different parties within the cartel of the corruption and vote trading. And it goes beyond vote trading. It goes uh, into uh, almost like embezzlement of the vote trading funds. So whenever we hear about these sock puppet BPs, like I was always under the assumption that they were used to kind of fatten up their dividends to give out to the voter rewards to keep the votes coming in from the proxies. But from what I'm seeing uh, from this rough translation of this article, is that there's more to it than meets the eye. There's people personally taking funds. Uh, and I'm just, I'm only sharing this because this is my call to action to the, to the community that if you are a Mandarin speaker, I shared the link in the Everything EOS Telegram channel. I want to know what this article says in its native language and get context of it because this is, from what I could see, it's a very, very strong accusation. And I'm not gonna go ahead and point fingers until I kind of hear 
a native speaker's opinion on it, but uh, it goes all the way back to in September 2018, whenever like this spreadsheet got shared, which is apparently like all of the BPs that are sharing votes and how much money they're paying and everything like that. Uh, so I'm going to share this link in the live chat. Uh, I also shared it in the Everything EOS Telegram channel. And if you know someone who could translate this for us, uh, maybe someone could translate it and put it on a site that just relaunched recently called the EOS Writer, which is my last topic of the day. Uh, I just wanted to point out that EOSWriter.io completely revamped their site and it is super nice, super sweet, all kinds of new functionality. I'm going to pull it up. And I'm going to shout out this article that was published yesterday, EOS Popcorn by, by Sean, one of the lead writers at uh, EOS Writer. Amazing article. I guess I'll just click into it just to scroll through it, let, let everyone see what they're in for if you haven't read it yet. It says only 213 views. So you guys got to check up on this. So this is going to be a new <laughs> weekly article on EOS Writer. It's basically like the water cooler talk, like all of the gossip, all of the best tweets and telegram messages. Uh, and it, it's like, I'll just scroll through it uh, and I'm not even going to comment on anything. I'll let Rob comment if he wants to. Yeah. I mean, people are using the word congestion because that's the word that Dan and block one use. It's literally called congestion mode. I did think <laughs> this was a pretty funny uh, outline of a bunch of different tweets. I noticed Cypherglass was included. I was included. Uh, I thought it, I had a good laugh. So. <laughs> I mean, if, 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 if you can't like, like Fred's going to get flooded by uh rude mud crab nothing new here it's the funny stuff that we see on our day-to-day -day basis when scrolling through tweets and scrolling through uh our messages but like the majority of the eos community doesn't see this stuff only the like people that really care a lot usually see this stuff yeah it, it's it's just good humor uh like i'll pull up this meme eos be like before idos after idos <laughs> uh but the other cool stuff on here we got a youtube section so i wanted to uh Thank you to the EOS Raider for adding this YouTube section. So as soon as you go there, it the Everything EOS channel is the first tab on here. And look at all these uh, education videos. Peter K has been on fire uh, oh, yeah. with releasing the developer courses here on Everything EOS. Uh, you can find them on our YouTube channel. We're eventually going to find a home for them, like on an education platform. But for right now, they're all publicly available on our YouTube channel. A lot of them are also, at least the, the Liquid Apps ones, you could find them on the knowledge base here on the Hackathon site. Uh, but really good materials if you've been like looking to build on Liquid Apps. And then also he has an integrate scatter video. He has a getting uh, started with, I, I think, a Cloud IDE. Uh, and then the other article series I wanted to call out was the Custodian series, uh, covering all of the bigger custodians here on EOS Raider. Uh, EOS Raider, uh, Kenny is also a custodian on VIG. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it up. Rob, have you been paying attention to this project? Uh, I have not. I've heard uh, a little bit about it from you, but other than that, I haven't. I'll pull it up here just because it's all about community. It's all about aligned interests between people with their own individual superpowers. Uh, like this is my superpower right here. I have this voice. I could talk to a, a nice chunk of the EOS community and share my knowledge with them and get feedback from them. But then there's other people with with superpowers, like as, as far as like developers or maybe uh, financial quants. Uh, but just going through this list of people, uh, it looks so much better on mobile. Uh, and these are all screen names. So Chris, Chris, Mike, Christopher, uh, Michael, one of the top EOSIO developers, wrote a book on EOSIO development. Raleigh, 
one of the top designers. He's the designer on EOS Bet and so many other uh, platforms. If you've seen great design, it's probably him. Uh, Jay Basics, uh, I don't think I could say what his projects are, but he's super involved uh, in the community. He is Watchdogs, he's in the chat right now. Shout out Data Junkie. Ramon, so we, we've, I, I, I had this exact same conversation on the show a few weeks ago whenever I called out some of these custodians, but we've actually added more. Ramon from Investing with a Difference in Blockstart, he's been super active in the groups and adding his superpower, which is that Silicon Valley mind of his. Peter Shen, uh, he's like the, 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 the Chinese voice. He's like the EOS Raiders uh, Asian arm of uh, publications. Pieces and Bits is uh, one of the top EOS DAC developers. He built this DAC portal that you're looking at here. Mblue Crypto, Bitkenstein, Peter K, now in the top 21. Uh, so I'm just super impressed. Michael Yates, I like adding Ramon and then adding, uh, where's the other uh, one I wanted to call out? Brandon, Brandon Espinoza, formerly of Strongblock, formerly of uh, Block One. He was in the top 21. He bounced out a little bit, but super excited about this project. And my call to action is, there is a VIG token. I don't want to talk about the VIG token. I want to talk about the Vigor DAC. The DAC is pushing forward so much work every day. There's so many working groups getting stuff done. And honestly, this is the most exciting DAC in the entire blockchain space. Uh, during my drive home from Block One or Blacksburg, Virginia, I listened to a lot of podcasts and like Laura Shen uh, had an a interview with some MakerDAO guys and some like Ethereum DAO guys. And Hearing them talk about like where they're at in their DAOs, and these are DAOs that have been around for years, we're, we're already like years ahead of them uh, with what's going on in this DAC. And shout out to EOS DAC also for laying the foundation to give us the tools like this portal we showed. Uh, but I, I will have more custodians on here sometime in the future for maybe a, a roundtable discussion. But uh, EOS Radio recently did that. I talked about that already on the show one time. So check out that interview there. Um, but check out the DAC, guys. Uh, anyone who could add value, if you're a, a marketer, a programmer especially, if you are a C++ dev, we could probably use your help. Uh, if you can translate, we could use your help. Uh, so this is my call to action to the community. I really want this thing to grow. It feels like there is something there. Like just like prior to the EOS mainnet launch, that like feeling of like you're doing something big, that's kind of the feeling I get with the DAC. And I just, I, I, I can't stop harping on it enough because like what's being built is like the important part here. All tokens aside, don't worry about the tokens. This is all about the DAC and community. And I think it's uh, something special is being built here. Uh, that was my last uh, rant, Rob. Do you have anything else? No, that's well said. Um, one thing I'll say is that uh, we have staked a bunch of CPU to all the different EOS name service account names. So if you were trying to buy one of those recently and it failed, like I know a lot of people were that reached out to us, uh, you should be able to do it now, assuming you have CPU and we'll be paying for all CPU on EOS name service. Uh, in the coming weeks once we get it's exciting. Uh, that update pushed out. Yeah. What are, what are the latest uh, suffixes you want to call out? Uh, we have .hodl, .base, .moon, .jobs, .trade. There's a lot of new ones on the site that uh, I recommend people check it out. So usnameservice.io. All right. And I, I guess I'll close it out with one thing uh, that we learned in Blacksburg. I don't think it's anything new, but Block One is working on a patch for X. I heard a little bit of details about it. I don't know what's going to come out in their proposal. But from what was shared with me, I am completely in favor with the way that they plan to address it. If, if it's what actually comes out in their code, I think it's very interesting. I don't have a timeline on it. Only they could speak on that. But uh, Rex help is coming. Uh, and also, I think the 30-day leases, do you know what, when all this congestion started so we could even time out the leases? 
Uh, I want to say first week of December is when they're all going to expire. And it'll be interesting to watch. I know a lot of people have their recs in the withdrawal queue because they were not expecting to have their EOS frozen for basically 30 days. Um, so it'll be interesting to, see, interesting to see how much of that gets withdrawn automatically, how much of those leases are set to auto-renew and then auto-renew automatically. And we'll see what the new price well, is then. Somebody bait, in the chat says two weeks. Bait, bait, two weeks. So hopefully this fit, I don't think this fix can get implemented that quick. What, what's the, so whenever there's like a, a pretty critical update, how, even with this block producer group, uh, they just made an update. Didn't they update something recently whenever the, I, so the yeah, IDOs. So unfortunately they patched a bug. There was a bug floating around that allowed people to exploit the, the name bid contract, which is a, an EOS IO core system contract. And they were basically able to nest transactions of either placing a bid for 0.001 EOS or canceling that bid. And they could, they could basically have the system contract, which has unlimited CPU, mine IDOS on their behalf. So that was all solved, uh, fortunately, and, and got implemented by the block producers uh, sometime over the last couple of days. So that, that was surprising to me. I, I, I completely forgot about that. So if there's something critical enough, it gets patched quickly. So based on what I know, I am praying, crossing my fingers, that uh, this Rex patch can get released prior to these leases ending because there, there's a really interesting way of smoothing out, I guess, the leases over a longer period of time. That, that's, I guess, uh, the best way to describe it. Because right now, there's like two days out of the entire month that most of the leases end and start again. And one of them is gonna, going to be coming up soon. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I hope we shared some stuff and some new insight from Dan, personally. Uh, sorry I'm a little bit under the weather today. Uh, we, and uh, but I'll be, I'll, uh, I don't even know what I'm saying here. I don't know. Let's just close out the show, I guess. Let's close it out. Uh, all right. So, and to, actually, everyone will be seeing me all, all week. We've got all kinds of stuff coming out for the hackathon. We'll have some stuff on the Everything Is channel. We'll have some stuff on the Liquid Apps channel and some stuff cross-streaming to both channels. So uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, follow us on Telegram. We're always in touch 24-7. Uh, so until next time, I'm Zach Gall. I'm Rob Finch. And this, this is Everything Everything EOS. EOS. Go, EOS. Go EOS. Go EOS in the chat. We'll see you next time.